0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. A-Rod and I host a show called The Deal, and it's all about the intersection of sports, business, and culture. Recently, we got to sit down
1: with Stephen A. to talk about something a little different for him, his business.
2: If I had to crystallize where business came to the forefront of my mind was when I got fired in 2009. There's a difference between making money and learning business. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcasts.
0: To getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: No matter which way we slice it, we need to hear women. We need to make sure the ladies know, we know we need to hear y'all. That's the subject we're going to tackle next. Plus, the one and only Ariva Martin. Awakening! Ladies, leadership, and the lies we've been told. All that coming up next. No mercy. Stephen A. First things first, this is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey,
0: here I come. You can book it. Uh... This is the moment of a lifetime the clock's sticking like my lifeline until I flatline I push it to the red line who gon stop me high who gon stop me high breathtaking a move that I make I give it everything I got cuz that what it takes I push the limit till it break the heart of the brain, the soul of a legend with the will to be great hold up.
2: welcome <laughs> What's up, everybody? Good afternoon. Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, the one and only Stephen A. Smith. My second show, my second podcast show, Wednesday, I'm sorry, Monday was a success. Hopefully, Wednesday will be. And all the podcasts in the future, because obviously, there is no me without y'all. If y'all ain't watching, if y'all ain't listening, there is no success. So, I hope that you enjoyed the first podcast that I had with LL Cool J on Monday. I hope that you enjoyed this one. And those to follow because there will be money there will be many three times a week for at least an hour right here over the airwaves wherever you can find your podcast no mercy with stephen a smith is the way to go let me get right to it because i got some things on my mind obviously people don't just listen to me on the podcast they see me on national television and over the last few days i made some news Because the Boston Celtics of the National Basketball Association found their franchise, specifically via their head coach, embroiled in some controversy. We heard about a consensual relationship. We heard that was in violation of organizational policy. We learned as a result that this coach in his rookie season who guided the Boston Celtics to the NBA Finals, who's considered one of the great, great young coaches in the game, is suspended for the entire year, the entire 2022-2023 NBA season. The suspension is not permanent, by the way. It's not a year, meaning it is an indefinite suspension. They didn't fire him, but they suspended him. The suspension wasn't limited to a year. They're going to review his status within the organization after a year. At which time they will decide whether they're going to keep him, they're going to extend the suspension even longer, or they're just going to let him go. They made it very, very clear that his personal affairs is why he has been suspended. What they didn't make clear was a few things. Number one, how much of his salary they deducted, if any at all. They didn't speak to the kind of damage they ultimately did to his career because they elected to handle this publicly instead of keeping it an in house matter that could be hired by HR. Of course, we heard nothing of the person he had the consensual relationship with. And by simply asking the question, Where is that person? Why is he the one that's been placed on this public altar, per se? You've had folks in an uproar. Ladies and gentlemen, some people would sit up there and look at that and they say, why you got to ask that question? What does that have to do with anything? There are some people that would ask that question because they say what's good for the goose is good for the gandy if you're talking about the man what about the woman he had the relationship with they'd also bring up the fact that excuse me what about the other females who are victims because their names were paraded all over social media and beyond with people speculating as to who they were even though they had no involvement in the situation whatsoever this coach email Yudoka? You would even find yourself bringing up the beautiful, wonderful, sensational actress that is Nia Long. Who is the mother of his child. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we'll bring up. As a man. I felt an obligation. To open this show today, this podcast today. By talking about the ladies and guess what? I wanted to bro how we need to hear them because for so many men out here that want to think about the fairness or lack thereof that is accorded to men on some occasions, maybe it's time for us to wake up and recognize what so many women have been screaming about for decades, if not longer. And that's the unfairness that has been accorded to them on so many levels throughout history because men simply weren't willing to listen. We think about how women are paid like 83, 84 cents on the dollar compared to what men are paid in corporate America. We think about numerous accusations that have been placed out there by women. And on far too many occasions, they weren't listened to. Ladies and gentlemen, we can go to Monica Lewinsky. Remember that? Remember when Bill Clinton was the president of the United States? And he sat up there in front of the microphone. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. That's what he said. He lied, perjured himself ultimately got impeached. Last time I checked, Clintons are doing just fine. Hillary ran for office, not once, but twice. Bill Clinton was giving speeches at the Democratic National Convention, even though he got impeached and lost his law license for a few years. He was doing just fine. What the hell ever happened to Monica Lewinsky? The relationship was consensual after all, but when it was revealed, Bill Clinton remained president even though he was impeached. Since then, he's going on to become a noted public speaker. I already told you about Hillary. Lewinsky was left to pick up the pieces of her life. By the way, she recently produced a series that told her side of the story. Do we really care? Did you see that? Did it resonate? Did it bring big time ratings where everybody gravitated to the television screen to hear what Monica Lewinsky had to say? No! No one cared. No one cared. I'm thinking about a 22-year-old woman, M-A-H-S-A, Masa Amini. I believe that's the way her name is pronounced. September 16, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, that was just a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. 22-year-old Iranian woman died in Tehran, Iran, under suspicious circumstances allegedly due to police brutality. The guidance patrol, the morality police of Iran's law enforcement command arrested Amini for not wearing a, the hijab. In accordance with government standards. Police said she suddenly went in a heart failure. at yeah, The station fell on the floor and died after two days in a coma. We don't hear much about that. We don't hear much about that. Donald Trump, former president of the United States, 2017 to 2021. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, he was accused of rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, including non-consensual kissing or groping by at least 25 women since the 70s. In October 2016, Trump publicly vowed to sue all the women who have made allegations of sexual misconduct against him, as well as the New York Times for publishing allegations. But he's yet to follow through on any legal action from what I recall. We talk about that. No, we talk about January 6th and the insurrection. That's what we talk about. We don't talk about that. Desiree Washington, Mike Tyson. You don't hear a word about her. She show herself in public she might have problems. And he was the one that had, that served time in jail for rape. Ain't not, listen, ain't getting involved in all of that. Not trying to bring up old stuff about Mike Tyson. I'm just talking about a different subject here. R. Kelly, don't get me started on that, brother. Oh, don't get me started on him. Prolific music producer. I mean, I ladies I and mean, gentlemen, we ain't, please, come on. Come on, baby. Y- 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 y'all, talk, y'all talk to Stephen A. Chocolate Factory 12 playing the crew. I mean, you think I, you know, I don't see nothing wrong. Bump and grind. You understand what I'm saying? Step in my room. Cause I got a little something for you, baby. I mean, come on. It's R. Kelly. Now, I will openly confess, it's a lot easier to listen to his music now that I know his ass is behind bars before he was out. Before he was behind bars and he was out here free, terrorizing little young girls. Married to Aaliyah, God rest her soul. Making songs while with her, age ain't nothing but a number. And obviously that relationship was controversial because she was underage doing sex tapes, urinating on little girls. That's right, I said it. Don't tell me that wasn't him. Who listened? Not only did you have little girls crying out, you had mothers crying out for help. How long did it take them to get him? Several lawsuits and a three-part documentary where R. Kelly's victims spoke out about the abuse at his hands. That's what it took for justice to finally arrive. Oh, this hurts my heart to bring this one up. But my executive producer was like, Stephen A. Stephen A., you got to bring it up, Stephen A. Wait a minute, you got to bring it up. Bill Cosby. Damn. It, 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 It hurts me. I mean, that was America's dad. That was America's dad. You remember that? Remember that episode? You know the night time is the right time to be with the one you love now. Remember that? Baby! Remember that? With little Rudy? That's Bill Cosby we talking about. Felicia Rashad we talking about. That's what we talking about here. Over several years, there had been whispers about him sexually assaulting women. Many had the same story. He slipped something into their drinks and they blacked out and he took advantage of them. They weren't believed. They were vilified. Went on to become America's dad anyway. Made hit films. Many of the women who eventually came forward were publicly scorned. And of course, there's Harvey Weinstein. Let's not forget him. That pervert. When Ronan Farrell wrote the story that took down one of Hollywood's biggest producers, Damn, this seemed too good to be true to some people. Several women spoke out. Dozens of women have come forward about Weinstein. Those who have spoken out range from actresses to journalists to some of Weinstein's former employees. Ladies and gentlemen, I can go on about this all day. I'm going about this all day, all day long. We could talk about men and people lying. We could talk about men and all of this other stuff. We could talk about folks who exaggerating and embellishing stories and what have you. But if we can say it happens to us, imagine what happens to the women. I'm a dad. I have daughters. I'm an uncle. I got nine nieces. I'm a brother. I got four older sisters. And in 2018, I lost the greatest woman I've ever known Janice Smith, my mama. I was raised by five women. That's why the thought of a woman being physically abused, taken advantage of, used, and then maligned and accused of lying is problematic for me and it should be problematic for all of us. Now, what does that have to do with anything pertaining to the Celtic situation with its coach, Ime Udoka? It's very, very simple. People who want to frown and raise the proverbial eyebrow and transform themselves into the role of cynics Against women who don't necessarily want to focus on her. Whether she was married or single with kids or not or whatever, because we don't know whether if if it was consensual or consensual. So she should be mentioned, too. There is a part of most men who might feel that way. But there's a flip side. And the flip side is the fear that that word consensual that allows you to bring the woman into the fray gives men out there with malice intent sleazeballs like the Weinsteins of the world an excuse to think that they can get away labeling a woman in any way because we're not going to want to hear what they have to say when all is said and done. If you listen to enough people, you'd believe for a second that women were trying to, some women were trying to absolve that woman from her role in the consensual relationship with Ime Yudoka. That's not what those women were saying. They weren't trying to come to her defense. What they were trying to say Let's not use that as a rationale or dare I say an excuse to think it's a license not to hear women with real cries and real pleas to be heard when they've been truly, truly victimized. I had to learn that the hard way. Through years of just learning and listening to my sisters, to my mother, I had to learn it all. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to get this twisted. Ime Udoka was in a consensual relationship. He was not accused of sexual assault. He was not accused of rape. He was not accused of sexual harassment. None of that, to our knowledge, based on what has been reported, because that's all we can go on. None of that has been reported. And for anybody who will interpret me as saying that, you're not listening. This is not about him. This is about the insatiable appetite that women have to have their issues, their encounters, their troubles with some men heard and making sure that somebody, even someone that was in a sexual, consensual relationship with a person as opposed to being violated in any way, doesn't detract from the need that they have to make sure women with these real issues of sexual harassment, rape, sexual assault, et cetera, are heard. It's time to wake up. If we haven't already, fellas, it's time to wake up. And I can't think of a better way of helping you do that than talking to you about my next guest or allowing her to talk to you actually her book is entitled Awakening Ladies Leadership and the Lies We've Been Told her name is Areva Martin and I can assure you she's got a lot to say on subjects like this and then some stick around don't touch that dial you're listening to No Mercy with your boy Stephen A back in a minute
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's sticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who to stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to
2: No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. I could not wait uh, to have the conversation that I'm about to have right now. Listen, for those of you who watch television and watch politics on television, you should know this wonderful, wonderful lady that I'm about to have on now. But just in case you don't, she is my next guest. She's an award-winning civil rights attorney, a best-selling author, a Harvard graduate, an autism child advocate. Okay, she's got a new book out now. She's here promoting a new book, Awakening Ladies, Leadership and Lies We've Been Told the wonderful Areva Martin. Welcome to No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. How are you? How's everything?
3: I am fantastic. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this conversation as well.
2: Oh, please. The pleasure is all mine. And before I get into this book, there's a lot of stuff that's been percolating In the news over the last several weeks, you know, and and with an election approaching, there's no way on earth with your brilliance as a political pundit uh, and and obviously a lawyer, you're more than qualified to speak about this. What did you make about the FBI raiding the home in Mar-a-Lago of former President Donald Trump? What were your thoughts about that at the time?
3: You know, Stephen, A. I thought it was about damn time, to be honest with you. You think about all the things that Donald Trump has been involved in, all of the uh, actions and activities that, you know, he's been engaged in since he's been president of the United States. He has gotten the ultimate white man privilege, Uh, things that would have you and me under a jail by now. Uh, You know, he's been the Teflon man. Nothing seems to stick. And the FBI, the uh, United States government had been in communications with Donald Trump trying to retrieve these documents that he removed inappropriately uh, and now perhaps even criminally from the White House. And yet he refused to return them. So, again, if if you steal property, take property, property from the White House and you refuse to return it, this is what should happen to you. Your private residence should be raided. So uh, kudos to Mary Garland and the team at the FBI, the judge that signed the search warrant and everybody involved, because Donald Trump is not above the law.
2: What are your thoughts about those on the right, the Republicans who support him, uh, along with various others that point to the office of the presidency, not him? And the fact that this is pretty much the first time anybody has seen the home of a former president raided by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. What about the argument, whether it's decorum, whether it's the fact that the presidency is supposed to be above such actions and what have you? What about people who make that argument, Areva? What do you say to that?
3: I say to them, Stephen, A., they are hypocrites. That's it. Plain and simple. They're hypocrites. And you and I know if this were Obama, if this were Clinton, if this were a Democratic president, I shun to think about what would have happened to that individual months ago, even years ago. The same Republicans who are crying that this is somehow a political hit job on Donald Trump are the same people, many of them, the same people that wanted to take Hillary Clinton out, wanted to take Bill Clinton out, who were incredibly uh, you know, uh, dismissive of and critical of President Obama. They have lost all credibility. Donald Trump is not above the law. The fact that he is a Republican doesn't make him above the law. The fact that he's a white man doesn't make him above the law. And the fact that he is the former president of the United States does not make him above the law. He has to play by the same laws and rules that you and I and everyone else in this country has too. So if they don't want the president's private resident raided, then tell Donald Trump to comport himself like a president. And he has not done that. And so he faces the consequences.
2: Author of the book Awakening, legal analyst, pundit for CNN, the one and only Ariva Martin, right here with Stephen A. On No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Ariva I got to ask, I got to confess to you what I thought when I initially saw this. And this is the last question I'll ask about this subject because I really want to get into you. Not just your book, but you and all the things that provoked you to write this book, which I thought was sensational, by the way. I got to ask you when we're talking about Donald Trump and, and what transpired. Is there a reason I found myself concerned? I found myself saying, wait a minute. They're playing right into the hands of Republicans. You do this, people who are relatively... I would say indifferent or apathetic to the election. The man lost the election. We all know he lost the election. He's trying to act like he doesn't know, but damn it, he's got to know. 81 million votes might have been against him, but the bottom line is they went to Biden. Okay, Biden won a free and fair election, even though he won the number in the 15 battleground states. At the end of the day, Biden got more votes than him, and that's what this comes down to. The fact that this has happened— You might have people that were relatively indifferent or apathetic to the proceedings. They may look at this and say, wait a minute. Now, this is a bit excessive. These Democrats are out of control. It may compel them to go to the polls and ultimately vote against the administration, even though the administration had nothing to do with this. This is Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice decision to make this decision about invading or, 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 you know, raiding uh, Donald Trump's home. What do you say to that concern?
3: I say that's what this country is all about. If it motivates those voters to go to the polls, then more power to them. But I also think that what has happened with Merrick Garland and hopefully the further investigation of Donald Trump for things beyond removing these confidential documents from the White House, that it also motivates those on the left. That it motivates those low-propensity voters, those African-American, Latino, Asian voters who don't go to the polls, those younger voters who typically don't go to the polls. Because the reality is this, Stephen A., there are more people in this country who support the ideology, the principles, the uh, policies of Joe Biden than those that support the Donald Trumps of the world. The Donald Trump supporters sometimes are louder, they right. are more aggressive, and in some cases more are not. But they are not the majority in this country. Are, are we sure about that? See, I believe that most
2: people are against him. But when we talk about policies and what have you, I don't know as we look and we reflect on the way of the, the world is today. I think it's pretty evenly divided. I think you got a lot of people that's wondering what the hell's going on. They're just not divided about him. They're just not divided about him. But yeah. If it was the census, yeah. if it was Nikki Haley or somebody, maybe they would go in a different direction. Please feel free yeah. to direct me
3: the polls free. don't bear that out let's take okay. this whole issue of abortion the okay. polls bear out that the majority of americans believe that women should have choice they should have the freedom to choose how they uh, you know make reproductive health choices how they control their bodies that that should be the choice of women even those totally people who agree. say they are anti-abortion They say, look, I may not want to have an abortion. I may not want my daughter, my wife, my sister to have one, but I shouldn't tell you what you can do with your body. So if if all of those voters, all of those people who believe that it's the choice and the rights of the women to choose came out and voted, we wouldn't see Donald Trump. We wouldn't see Rick DeSantis. We wouldn't see Nikki Haley. We wouldn't see any of those Republicans in office, particularly those that are, are seeking to make it illegal for women to uh, make those choices about
0: their well, bodies.
2: Well, you are definitely talking right now, Reverend Martin, to one of those individuals. I'm not a proponent of abortion per se, but I certainly believe in a woman's right to choose. And I don't believe anybody, especially a man, another man, <laughs> right, has a right. right to be telling a woman what to do with their body. Amen. So that's the, that, that's, the, that's the person that you're talking to right now. But I also would ask this question again, because I want to get to your book. When you bring that up in the fact that the vast majority of women in this country are pro-choice and they believe in having the right to choose. And they are against, you know, the Supreme court ruling is against what the vast majority of females in our society, the vast majority of people in our society may feel. My question to you would be this. If the Supreme court is saying it's the part, it's the decision of the States, it's not ours to make and women everywhere are going to make those decisions like they did in Kansas, for example, and they shot, you know, they, they completely are, they completely support pro-choice. I'm not going to say there's no reason for concern because there is. And I get that. But the flip side is, is that state to state women are going to be out in droves supporting a pro-choice agenda. Wouldn't you say?
3: Absolutely. Women are going to be supporting a pro-choice agenda. But here's what has happened, Stephen. Even though those women are, there are certain states, certain red states in particular where gerrymandering Mm. and a process that has made it impossible for some. Uh, in some states, for even those majority voices to have the power in those state legislatures. So we may still see some red states where white men in particular, uh, white conservative men, still control those state houses, still make the laws in those states, even though the majority of the people are not in step not aligned with those lawmakers so you know this issue of abortion rights is so much bigger i mean it plays into voting rights uh it plays into so many of the other rights the rights you know for marriage you know love people to to marry who they choose to marry lgbt rights so there's so many rights at stake uh and unfortunately we have a country right now the supreme court is, is evidence of it where the minority rule some of these states uh, red states, where you have the minority of the population making decisions for the majority. And mm. that's a problem.
2: Ariva Martin right here on No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Let me get to you. And before I introduce your book to the audience, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a lawyer. You're a Harvard graduate. Um, a high, a highly intellectual person. Very good on television, I might add. You got a future on television, Ariva. You really, really uh, do.
3: Okay. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. uh, Tell us
2: what we need to what you'd like us to know about you.
3: I think the most important thing uh, that oftentimes people don't know about me is is I, you know, I grew up in a housing project in North St. Louis. I'm very, very connected to that community where I grew up. Uh, I have friends, I have family that still live in the neighborhood where I grew up. And as much as I have accomplished, and I, I feel very grateful and blessed that I've accomplished a lot in my life, I think I have an obligation, like many people that have accomplished what I've accomplished to you know, break down barriers and continue to, to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. So I spend most of my time, uh, some would say, picking fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Picking fights, but you know, getting into what John Lewis calls that good trouble. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, you know, trying to stand up for the rights of individuals with disabilities, because I happen to have a son who's on the autism spectrum. So uh, whether it's, you know, people with disabilities, whether it's women, whether it's minoritized populations, whether it's people that grew up poor like I grew up. So that's I consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to do that because so many people did that for me. I got to Harvard. I got to the University of Chicago because there were people in my community who were willing to, uh, you know, step up and say that I deserve a shot when little black girls like me weren't getting an opportunity and a shot. So every opportunity I get to do that for somebody else, uh, you know, sign me up. That's my assignment. And I know my assignment, and I take it very seriously.
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline until I flatline. I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high?
2: Awakening. Ladies, leadership and lies we've been told. What inspired you to write this book now?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like, Stephen, I've been writing this book all of my life. I told you, you know, some people say I like to pick a fight. Uh... I became acutely aware uh, a long time ago, maybe, you know, once I got to Harvard, definitely by the time I got out and went into the work world, that there were just differences in our society in terms of how women are treated and how men are treated. And I got particularly concerned about this when Sheryl Sandberg, uh, the CFO or soon to be former CFO of Facebook, wrote her book, Lean In. Mm -hmm. And about 10 years ago, that book, very popular book, And a lot of books written like that book that really pointed the finger at women and said, look, ladies, you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. You're not taking on the right assignments at work. And and you're not making the right strategic moves in the workplace. And that's why you're not getting ahead. That's essentially uh, what a lot of those books, women leadership books said about 10 or 12 years ago. Now, to be fair, Cheryl uh, later. Uh, made some changes, you know, she acknowledged that that book didn't speak to middle-class women, didn't speak to poor women, didn't speak to women of color, and she modified her philosophy some, Uh, but there are a lot of women and men who still believe that, that, you know, if women just worked harder, and I know for a fact that that was BS, because I don't know any women that don't work hard, I don't know any women that don't juggle, you know, a a gazillion things, family life, children, work life, And so I wanted to set the record straight because I grew up hearing that. I grew up in a a house where strong Black women told me to just work my butt off, get there early, stay late, take on every assignment, and just be the hardest working person at your job. And I took that to heart. And and I used to tell people, you're not going to meet anybody that works harder than me because I grew up, you know, helping my godmother clean toilets. Uh, But that's a lot. I, 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 that's a but lie, Irina, Steven. I, I gotta tell you, Irina, I, I'm sitting there and, and, and I mean this affectionately.
2: I'm wondering who the hell you hanging out with because I got news for you. Most men, we know, most of us know we're not as smart as y'all. Most of us know we don't work as hard as y'all. None of us. I mean, we thank the good Lord every day. We ain't mothers because we know what the, the job that comes with the motherhood. We know the level of intellect. We know the level of guidance. We know the power of a woman and the influence and 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 how. The, I don't care what man you are. Any man worth his salt knows the best of you comes from a woman. So, when you bring this up, I'm like,
0: yeah,
3: who's she running into? Okay, see, okay you you're about to make my case for me. You're okay. making my job easy as a lawyer. Then why the hell are men controlling every damn thing? Why do y'all have all the big jobs? Why do y'all have make more money than women? Why are we still living in a patriarchal society where men are dictating everything? If y'all know y'all not as smart as us, if right. you know you don't work as hard as women, right. then why are you still dominating it, 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 every me. profession? I, I you got, can you. go from I got your book right here. Profession I, to the, uh, you know, re- religion. I'm to awakening. Finance. I'm getting to awakening. Your answer is in this book, Areva Martin. Here's the answer.
2: When you talk about sexism, that's one thing. Not only sexism, but the fact that it's a white male-dominated society in terms of empowerment. So if you have if you are a white male and you are empowered, first of all you combine that, The race is an issue, and then of course sexism becomes an issue because your mentality might be excuse me, not only is she black, but she's a woman. So those are the two obvious answers to that question, but that doesn't mean they don't know it, it doesn't mean they don't feel that you don't work hard, you're not smart enough etc, etc. They may very well know it, but want you to play that particular position, and I Obviously, sexism plays a profound role in that level of thinking. That would be my answer.
3: Okay, so all what awakening is saying is women, stop buying into this meritocracy BS that somehow that your merit can get you where you're trying to go. So the book is about saying to women, and many of us have bought into that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've said 10 years of those leadership books told us, is mm-hmm. that if we leaned in, the whole premise of that is do more. Okay. It's to point the finger at women and say, you're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. So you're saying men knew all along that we were doing enough. Hell <laughs> so yeah. Just, Hell yeah, we've we, we, always <laughs> done. So, no. so y'all just been messing with us and got what, what, us, what, what, our heads all twisted and got us out here thinking that we needed to do more. And So I'm just trying to say to women, you know what, ladies, it ain't about us. It, mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. about, it's never been about us. It's about those systems that were designed purposely by men to keep us in uh, a f- inferior, well, you inferior position. Well, you
2: say men. You say men. But but but. Well, well men, about the power you know, Thank you very much, Areva.
3: Thank you very much. White
2: males. Okay. Now let me ask you this, because in the book, okay, we're talking about five key falsehoods. Falsehood number one. What is that, Arriba?
3: So let's start with, let me say this, Stephen A. Okay,
2: please.
3: It's five in the book. It could have been 500. That's right. That's true. I I want to be very clear. That five is just the beginning. You know, the book had to have a certain limit in terms of pages. So just five. So I start, and these are the ones I've been told. I say to women, you know, you you write your own list. You probably can come up with your own list. But these are the ones that were drilled into my head as a young woman. Uh, And I start with that hard work. Because you know, I grew up with my godmother. She was a janitor at night. She was cleaning houses by day and, and office buildings by night. Mm-hmm. And that was her mantra. Just work hard. Just work hard. She drilled that into my head. And I'm not, you know, it's, it, it, that was something that I, I take pride in. And it was a great equalizer when I got to the University of Chicago. I was behind academically and I needed to catch up. So I could go and put my head down and do 14 hours. I can do 16 hours mm-hmm. in a library and it allowed me to catch up and graduate with honors at the University of Chicago. So I'm not suggesting that hard work is not a good thing. And you know, I, I employ a bunch of people. So I, I want people to work hard on their right. jobs. Right. But what I didn't get from my godmother, and no, you know, knock on her, she gave me what she had been given. I didn't get that that hard work was not enough. That you go into workplaces, there's something called you know, workplace culture. There's something called workplace politics. There's something called nepotism. Mm -hmm. There's something called that old boys club. There's other subjective things at play in the workplace that have nothing to do with you. You can get there two hours early, say five hours late, work all weekend, and it won't matter in some of those situations because guess what? The president's son is getting that job. Mm. The president's, you know, golfing buddy's son is getting that promotion. Okay. so those are the things that, you know, that that is the lie. The lie that your hard work is enough. Let's go to number two
2: here, Ariva.
3: Your value is not determined by your beauty. (laughs) The floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, we spend a lot of time and money in this country. You know, beauty, those Eurocentric beauty standards, particularly women of color, know are told you got to be you know this size you got to be thin your hair has to be straight you got to have a certain look uh and you know that's a lie the lie though that has been told to us is that beauty doesn't matter but we know every study shows that if your skin colorism lighter skinned women are considered prettier than Mm. darker skinned women on certain jobs if you're lighter skinned if you're a woman of color you are going to get looked at and get considered in a way that your darker skinned sisters aren't. Well,
2: Well, let me ask you this. Fair enough. But you're not saying that presentation does not matter, are you?
3: No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that as women, again, we're told that our looks don't matter. Again, just be good. Right. Mm -hmm. Just have the education, just have the talent, just have the skills. And we know when you walk into a room, the first thing people are doing is sizing you up based on your looks, you know. But that happens to men too, Ariva. I mean, you can't
2: (laughs) walk up in there looking like a ragamuffin. You can't walk up in there with your hands, your your pants hanging below your backside. I mean, looking all bummy and everything when you're looking for a job now. But
3: let me ask you this, Stephen. When I first got to New York, my first job, if a man was big, I Mm -hmm. mean, like big, that that was a symbol of of prosperity. He was big because he ate steak and lobster. And, and you know, that didn't matter. That nobody was judging him because he was a big man. But just until very recently, you know, we, we've had this revolution of, mm-hmm. you know, where now women can be all sizes. But you and I are old enough to remember that there weren't any dark skinned women. There weren't any women, you That's know, fair. who weighed more than 130, 40 pounds yeah, yeah. in commercials. They weren't on television. That's they fair. weren't on covers of magazines. So, you know what the beauty standards were. Now, you know, we got Lizzo. We have women all sizes. We have, you know, dark-skinned women. Viola Davis, you know, these sisters are killing it. That's right. And now there's a recognition that beauty comes in all sizes, all shapes, all colors, all forms. But that ain't always. Look at me. I'm sitting here with cornrows. Now, can you remember, you and I have been in the media. You've probably been in it longer than me. But you know there was a moment in our country that it ain't no way in the hell. And I just got off CNN. I could not have been sitting on a national television show, a conservative news station with these cornrows.
2: That's fair. That's fair. Let's go to one uh, item number three. You can't be a working woman and raise a family. Now, there's no denying that. that, I mean, listen, there's no denying that they try to make you feel that way. But we know why. Like, to me, it's about control. Like, wait a minute. If you got a family to raise, what level of commitment can you give us in terms of your time? Nobody asked you
3: about that. Nobody asked any fathers. That's true. Oh, Stephen, you know, you can't be the CEO, dude, because your your kid's at home.
2: Well, that's chauvinism. Nobody has that,
3: ever true. asked a man, what are you going to do totally about
2: true. the kids? Totally true. That's chauvinism, because the p- belief was you're a man. You're supposed to be out here working to provide for the family, not her. Yes. That's what, so you're right about that. That uh, oh, Can we agree on that?
3: We oh, Absolutely.
2: Okay, well, we, we're good with that. Let's go to number four.
3: Women are inferior. Yes. You know, for years, there were a lot of jobs that they said women can't do. They just can't do it. They don't have the intellect. You know, they they don't have the ability to do it. And women, again, bought into that. That's a man's job, even the presidency. I mean, think about it. We we may be on the verge of having our first female president. We thought we were with Hillary Clinton. But for years, it was thought of that a woman couldn't be the president. That, that was a man's thing, you know, that only men could lead this country, only men could be CEOs, that women didn't have the temperament, let, they were too
2: emotional. You. Let me upset you a little bit here, Areva. <laughs> First of all, in 2008, all right, Barack Obama came, otherwise Hillary would have had the election. We know this, okay? She, she would have had the election. And then in eight years later, in 2016, if James Comey doesn't come into the equation in the waning hours of the, of the campaign, she probably would have won in 2016 as Well, OK,
3: so again, I think you, what look, you're, but you're talking about hundreds of years after the first president, look, you know, look how long it took for us to believe that a woman could be the president of, of the United States. Look at all the white men photographs on, the, you know, th- that long hallway where Obama now sits, where it should have been women all along because we're not inferior. Any woman, capable.
2: When you talk about women who could have been president, just as an aside, I'm just curious. I'm just, I just, just popped into my head. Any women before Hillary Rodham Clinton that you thought Shirley should have been president? Okay. Shirley
3: Chisholm could okay. have been president.
2: Okay. Good answer. She, yeah. Good answer. We could go with that. We can stop right there. We can stop right <laughs> there. I love that answer. All right. <laughs> last, no, no, last falsehood right here. Last lie. The system works.
3: It just needs to be tweaked. Explain. Yes. That's, we hear that all the time. You know, if we do some sensitivity training, oh, if we do some implicit bias training, if we create a program and focus on, you know, in sports, they do this all the time, right? We're going to have some training about how to be more sensitive to women. We're going to, you know, roll out some experts on diversity and inclusion. And what do we as a country do? Spend about five seconds on that. As long as the media is there, as long as there's some attention being paid to it, but nothing changes fundamentally. Do you know, Stephen, the the most educated group of people in this country are Black women? But when I wrote that book, there were only three Black women who were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And if there were, you know, there should be a straight line. All those educated Black women, we should see Black women at the tops of all kinds of companies across this country. But we don't. So the system is broken and that tweaking that we do, those diversity classes, that implicit bias, those trainings, that ain't doing nothing but putting a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage. And we keep doing it over and over and over again.
2: Complaining about the system, you're absolutely correct. Talking about white male power in this country and how it has sifted through this nation like a virus, nobody can dispute that. One of the arguments, however, that I've made throughout the years is that affirmative action, the biggest beneficiary. Of affirmative action has been white women. Somehow, Absolutely. some way, they were. Everybody black knows that, and uh, white women uh, obviously were designated a minority, and they would have been, they would have been biggest benefactors from affirmative action. I've heard myself and many others complain about that. Surprisingly, I haven't heard many black women complain about. Oh, the we complain
3: about it loudly. Okay. So I can mm-hmm. tell you, as a young lawyer, I used to go to conferences, minority conferences. Start off all black and brown people, two, three years later, all white women at a minority conference for lawyers. And you're like, wait, 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 where where are the minorities? And they're like the women, the women, they're getting certified as minority because, you know, they slipped in that minority and female owned business enterprise. So all those programs, everything that was set up for small minority business owners quickly became minority and female business owners. And and by the time you add the word female forget it. The white women just took it all over. So it's the year 2022.
2: And we look at the state of affairs as it pertains to women, specifically black women in the year 2022. Where do you feel we are now compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, etc.
3: Obviously, we've made tremendous progress but there is still so much work to be done. I give you that stats, three black women CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. That's just totally unacceptable. And you know, people like to point to Kamala Harris. Kamala's my girl. She and I have been friends since college. Phenomenal accomplishment that she is the vice president of this country, but we can't judge the progress of black women by pointing to a couple of exceptional cases. The reality is black women still earn less money than men, both black men, white men, and white women, black women still in terms of healthcare, uh, in terms of you know housing, we still are at the bottom of so many of, of the lists, so many of the totem poles. Uh, black women, we are the backbone of the Democratic Party. We know we are the most reliable voting block. You know, we can get you elected in tight elections. We can point to many of them, you know, be, by Joe Biden included, But we still are not faring as well as we should. We still do not have our share of the pie, this Mm -hmm. American dream. We're still not, you know, getting our share of it. And we got to keep raising our voices. We got to keep, you know, knocking on those doors, those glass ceilings. And we got to keep talking about it. That's one of the things I want to do with this book. Stephen, I don't have all the answers. I'm a professor. I don't think anyone does. Anybody that tells you they do their mind but I wanted to raise this conversation I wanted white people, I wanted black people, I wanted us all to be talking about this because while this country was engaged in this conversation around systemic racism, we needed to add to that the, the gender bias that black women also face because it's not always racist. I'm constantly asking myself, hmm, is this happening to me because I'm black? Is it happening to me because I'm a woman? Or And sometimes it's both because I happen to be both black and female.
2: Right now, in the year 2022, we know that an election, the midterm elections are coming up in November. You hear people speculating. You are a part of that dialogue, obviously. Will Joe Biden run for reelection? Should he? Is he wanted by the Democratic Party? Is he not? What we don't hear much about, Arriva, is Kamala Harris and whether or not she's going to be the Democratic presidential nominee for the presidency of the United States of America come 2024, how much of that do you rest on her shoulders compared to that of the administration she works under or society as a whole, as we're having this discussion about women and how women have been marginalized, pigeonholed, held back, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts about that?
3: Well, You know this as well as I do. Kamala Harris has been maligned in ways that has never happened to a vice president in this country. The vitriol that's directed at her online, I mean, some of the attacks that she gets, completely unfounded, completely vicious, uh, racist and sexist, uh, so just horrible. The reality is Joe Biden has made it very clear. He is running again in 2024. He has an agenda that has been incredibly uh, effective he can't get it all done in one term. No president does. That's why presidents need two terms. But make no mistakes about it. If he chooses not to run again in 2024, and he's made it clear that he is, but if for some reason he does not, Kamala Harris will be the presumptive nominee for the Democratic Party. You Jack- sure James about that? You sure I'm, about that, Ariva? I'm, I'm sure about that. I am 100% clear about that. James Clyburn and the other party leaders have made it clear that if Joe Biden does not run, the Democratic Party is going to throw its support and wait behind Kamala Harris. Now that's not to say, Stephen, that Gavin Newsom out of uh, California, that Governor Pritzker out of Illinois, that there will, uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, you know, I can do a roll call for you, right. that others will not run. Mm-hmm. But the Democratic Party is not going to turn its back on a black woman, Mm -hmm. because they will risk the wrath of black women. And you can't be president of the United States in the Democratic Party without coming through black women. And we have made it very clear. It ain't no way in the world that when a black woman gets to be VP and has an opportunity to run for president. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to change the rules of engagement and say, well, you know, we're going to throw open the field and we're going to see. No. We're going to do what we did for every other vice president, you know, whether it was Al Gore running for Bill Clinton, there was no doubt about it. Al Gore was going to get support of the national democratic party and he got it. And Kamala Harris deserves it. And I'm, I feel hundred percent certain. She'll get it too.
2: Before I let you get on out of here. I'm a father of two teenage daughters. I got a 14 and a 13 year old. I'm listening to what you're saying. Your message is so profound. It's so intimate. Um, on one hand, I'm inspired by it. On the other hand, I'm scared because of the things that you're highlighting and knowing that the challenges that await them. If you're talking to a young teenage black girl and a young ladies period throughout this nation right now. What do you say to them, Areva, about ultimately the life that awaits them, hopefully capturing the kind of success you've been able to capture and being able to withstand the shrapnel of cynicism and unfairness mm-hmm. that appears at least to be inevitably coming in their direction.
3: I say to them, the same thing I say to my two daughters, I have two daughters also, Stephen and A, be encouraged because we got your backs. We are out here fighting this fight for them. They are going to stand on, and they already do, shoulders of giants women who have forged paths before them, men who have used their platforms like you and others to be allies in this fight. We're not alone in this fight. There are some good brothers in this fight and I include you as one of them. And I talk about this in my book. We can't do this alone. And I'm encouraged because there are more and more men who are coming to understand that this fight for liberation, this fight for equality for black people in particular, Requires us to be in this fight together. So we are not where we want to be, but we know that we are never, ever going to give up. We're not going to ever stop fighting. We're never going to stop calling out injustices. And with each successive generation, things do get better. Things are better for me than they were for my mother. They were better for my mother than they were for my grandmother. Things are better for my daughters than they were for me. Things are going to be better for your daughters. Than they were for their mother. So each generation has a lot to look forward to. Be hopeful. Be encouraged. Be inspired, because women and men, you know, have given their lives so that they can have some of the opportunities. And our kids have incredible opportunities. Opportunities I couldn't have even dreamed of in a housing project in North St. Louis. Uh, so you know, I, I don't want people to grow we- grow weary with this. Battle in this fight. Our ancestors didn't. They didn't give up. They didn't get tired. You know, they might have gotten tired, took a little break, but they didn't stop fighting. And look what they had to fight with so much less. They didn't have a podcast and, you know, (laughs) uh, TV shows and uh, TikTok and Instagram, and they still got the message across. So think about what our kids are going to have as the tools. To continue this fight that you and I are engaged in now things that we can't even imagine they're going to have
2: essentially the ability to reach and galvanize millions upon millions of people because you have outlets available to reach those people yes. that's what awakening is all about awakening ladies le- ladies leadership and the lies we've been told national best-selling author the wonderful Ariva Martin thank you so much for being a part of No Mercy right here with Stephen A. Smith I really really appreciate your time thank you so much
3: oh uh, thank you my friend pleasure
2: right. see you soon
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high?
2: Thanks so much to Ariva Martin. Awakening, ladies, leadership, and the lies we've been told. Incredibly inspirational conversation we've had with her. She enlightened me about a lot of different things because that's what we really do. Ladies and gentlemen, men are enlightened by women all the time. All the time. I mean, hell, the Bible says, excuse me, I shouldn't use that analogy. Use the word hell before I say the Bible. So I apologize for that. Let me me correct myself right now. Let me correct myself right now, okay? Even the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. That's what it says. Now, damn it, I ain't married. Which means you can look at that two ways. Damn, Stephen A., you don't have a good thing. Or it can mean the best is yet to come. Who knows what the future holds? But to tell you something, when I think about this Emei Udoka situation, I went into the interview with Reeva, cl- making sure everyone understood the man has committed no crime. As far as we know, according to the reports, the relationship was consensual. According to the reports, it simply violated organizational policy. According to what I know, every organization doesn't have that policy. And I want to make sure everybody understands my position on this subject one more time once and for all. I am not a believer. When I asked the question, well, where's she at? The woman he had the consensual relationship with. I didn't make that statement so they could call her out and put her on the public guillotine. I wasn't saying that. I was making the statement that just like she's not out in public view. He shouldn't be out either over something like this. Let me be very, very clear. Keep him or fire him. But if you fire him, I believe this is an HR issue. You do not publicize his business like that. You have essentially made him unhirable, untouchable for years to come. Now, some people will sit up there and say, well, he deserves it. Well, if the relationship was consensual, why? Why does he deserve it? Inquiring minds would like to know. But guess what? We can't because it's too private. So why the hell are we talking about him and not her? You know why? Because we shouldn't be talking about her either. I don't care if she married, single or single. I don't care if she got kids or she don't. It's none of our damn business. It's none of our damn business. You know what is our business? Sexual assault. That's business. That's unlawful. That's criminal. Rape, that's criminal. That's criminal. If consensual relationships were a crime, you have any idea how many jail cells you would need for people who engage in consensual relationships? Married or single. So it's important to understand that. But in the process of understanding it, it doesn't mean we forget what the Areva Martins of the world highlighted for us. How there is a double standard. How it does exist. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell y'all a little secret. The fellas know this is true. The women know this is true. But nobody wants to admit it publicly. Well, damn it, I will. If you're a woman and you're called a whore or something like that, it is incredibly disrespectful and vile to call a woman that a woman that. You call a man that he likes someone. He think a crown should be placed on his head. That's a double standard. That's a double standard. Now that may be a double standard that some people care about while other people don't, but it is a double standard. In the workplace. When you're being asked about your family and the responsibilities that it takes to provide for your family, when you're a woman, but you're not being asked about that responsibility when you have a man, that's a double standard. That's a double standard. When there are questions about whether or not you can fulfill your commitment for whatever reason, but it's understood that a man has a lot on his plate and a lot on his shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to lie to you. I am a man. I am not a woman. I thank the good Lord at least once a week. I'm not a woman so I can't get pregnant. I don't want to go through that pain. I don't want C-sections. I don't want birth. I don't want nothing. I, 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 just thinking about it makes me grab myself. I'm just, I'm so, it, it hurts just thinking about it. It's like I got punched in the stomach. I, I, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. When my daughters were born, I was there, present, but I really, really wasn't. You see, I made sure that my head, my face was right up there in her face. It went down there. I I can't take that. I'm not built for that. I'm not built for that. I'm just not. I'm not. not, not, I I I am not. I cannot do that. I can't take it. I know this. What my mother had to go through to take care of us. Ladies and gentlemen, I got two beautiful daughters. But I tell anybody that know me, they're terrorists. They live to torture their daddy. They they, they love it. They see their daddy stress. It's like a smile, this maniacal smile that comes over their face. Yeah, I'm stressing them. My mother dealt with six of us. I don't know how the hell she did. I mean, these ladies are special. There's no doubt about it. So when they tell you there are things going on in this world that is simply unfair for them to deal with, they make valid points. That don't mean we got to agree with everything. It doesn't mean we can't question and probe that we can't raise the proverbial eyebrow when we hear something suspicious that all of a sudden every single person is supposed to be believed just because they say something is so. But what it does mean is that If men deserve the benefit of the doubt. Don't they even more. I think so. In fact, I've learned so. So I'm a better man today than I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. You grow up. And you learn that the world is about something more than just you what this male-dominated society has ingrained in our brains and allowed us to adapt without any consideration or at least enough consideration for the others, mainly our women, and then we have the nerve to go home to them and want so much from them, appreciating, no doubt, what they give us but clearly not nearly as much as we should. It's a lesson to be learned. And I thank Areva Martin for helping to enlighten us to some degree about what that is. I'm a better man today than I was a few minutes ago because of that conversation with Areva Martin. I hope y'all were too, or that you are too, fellas. We need prayer. Some of us more than others. But damn it, we need it. I think that about says it all. I could call myself Pastor Pastor Smith, but I won't go that far. I'm signing off, y'all. Appreciate your time. Thank you for giving me your time listening to my second podcast, No Mercy, with Stephen A. Smith. By the way, as the saying goes, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. Until the next time, peace and love, everybody. Stephen A signing off. Yeah. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. A Rod and I host a show called The Deal. And it's all about the intersection of sports, business, and culture. Recently, we got to
2: sit down with Stephen H to talk about something a little different for him, his business. If I had to crystallize where business came to the forefront of my mind was when I got fired in 2009. There's a difference between making money and learning business.
1: Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcasts.